Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Hey, well, welcome everybody. This is Derek Van Ness with the Small Business Big Life Podcast. Again, bringing some more punch and power into your day and making it as exciting and amazing as we possibly can. Today, I've got a superstar. Look at him flexing those guns. If you're watching the video <laughs> version of this, you will be impressed. His name is Lance Growlick. And Lance, welcome to the show. Thank you, Derek. I'm happy to be here. Guns <laughs> I mean, out, sun's out. That's right. It's the spring and the sun is out. So why not get the guns out? You live in Vegas, so you probably get to do that a lot more than the rest of us. But you know, try not to show off too much. Okay. I won't be rubbing it in. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate that. So Lance, real quick, tell us a little bit about who you are both professionally and as a human being, and maybe just share real quick for anybody who's uh, interested in all the things you're about to tell us, how can they find you online or connect with you? Well, thank you once again, Derek. Uh, so Lance Gralick, Ion Franchising is my company, and uh, you can easily find me at ionfranchising.com. That's ionfranchising.com. I'm all over social media, including Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and uh, so let me uh, share a little bit about myself. So I grew up in New York, uh, born in Brooklyn, New York. Lost the accent a little bit. I think I hide it on purpose. Um <laughs> And uh, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Long Island. Uh, my dad was on Wall Street. He was a partner in a, the largest publicly traded, uh, or <laughs> the largest publicly traded, the largest over-the-counter trading house on Wall Street. And uh, I followed him into the business, uh, working throughout high school and throughout college and just after college. And I realized after working really hard in that business, I did not want to be in the concrete jungle of New York City any longer. I wanted to find my greener pasture, if you will. And uh, another relative who made his money in tech had built, uh, started building a restaurant company with TGI Fridays. And we became the largest franchisee of TGI Fridays back in the, the old days in 1989, 90, 91, that era. Wow. And uh, got out of college in 88. So I'm dating myself now. I'm 54. And uh, needless to say, we built a franchise that was $225 million in revenue back in the old days. I can only imagine what that would be in today's dollars. But I uh, was bit by the franchising bug at that moment and realized I love this model. I love the way my, my pseudo uncle, he's like best friends with my uncle, created this big franchise company through acquisition and, and just, you know, Modeling success. I think it was Tony Robbins that once said, you know, model success. And that's what franchising is really built on. So um, I became a franchisee of Wingstop and a multi-unit operator, president of the Franchise Advisory Council. Years later, Krispy Kreme Donuts. I was a multi-state franchisee and managing partner. Created several of my own brands as well. And 
sold them. And, uh, you know, years later, here I am, I'm, I'm the largest franchise broker in the U.S. And I, I actually help people for free when they want to look at franchises. I have negotiated success fees or commissions with all of my brands, but I work for my candidates, my clients for free and in an effort to find them their perfect franchise. Wow. That's super cool. I am ultimately, uh, fascinated by this and we could probably spend a lot of time on it. But before we jump into all of that, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. Uh, you've obviously been around a lot of very successful people and brands. If you could share like a guiding light or a specific thought or something that you use to make good decisions and drive you forward as a best piece of advice, what would you share with the listeners, Lance? Well, uh, lot, a lot of lessons. Um, certainly persistence is incredibly important. But I guess the starting factor, as a matter of fact, when we get off here, I'm helping somebody with a business plan. Uh, I'm helping some attorneys with a business plan, as a matter of fact, for a multi-unit, multi-territory, uh, multi-state brand. Um, so it all starts with the business plan. And my wife has always noticed I have a pretty uh, good attention to detail. So when you do a business plan, you really need to take into consideration every every factor. You know, what is the competition like? You know, what is what is your pro forma based on? Is it based on what you think or are there other experts that could potentially back up some of the numbers you're putting to paper? So um, just, you know, the devil's in the details, period. Um, but this is also why this conversation is so important, Derek, because what I tell people is, If you don't have a burning desire to create one specific brand that you have in mind, you're not a Mark Zuckerberg that had an idea for Facebook or Jeff Bezos that had an idea for Amazon, you don't have that burning desire to do anything specific other than be your own boss. Look at franchising. We have every category covered uh, and somebody else has already gone through that school of hard knocks to, you know, flush things out. So we can talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a couple of clients who started off with that burning desire and it turned into them creating a franchise. So uh, that, and that happens a lot, you know, both, both directions, quite a few people that start with franchising because they get comfortable mm -hmm. with business. They learn a lot regardless of where they came from, whether they didn't go to college or went to Harvard, or they could be an attorney or a CPA. Franchising gets people comfortable with being a business operator or business owner. And then a lot of people also create their own brands after that. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. And I know when we were talking prior to this, you mentioned the two things that you do are, you know, helping people identify the perfect franchise, but also if they have a business that they want to franchise, you help them to do that as well. Because I'm sure that's like a whole nother skill set. It's one thing to build your business. It's another thing to duplicate it, right? A absolutely. Uh, a large portion of my week is definitely talking to independent business owners that, you know, maybe weren't aware of how it works being a franchisor, being corporate, if you will, and allowing people into your system. The, the numbers are incredible on the exit strategy. I mean, a, a typical franchisor, a franchise brand, when it comes time to exit, can sell from for easily 10 times cash flow. And so you start opening locations with someone else's money, technically, through a franchise vehicle. It's 
pretty amazing how quickly you're now worth 20 million, 30 million, 100 million just yeah. for something. You know, I'm, I talked to people last week, it was commercial cleaning and um, a gentleman that had an auto detail brand. Um, and I always ask them when I speak to them, you know, well, what is your secret sauce? Why yeah. would somebody buy into your brand? And, uh, you know, we, and we go through a, a lot on, on these calls. In some cases, it's hours of conversation before anybody can come to the realization that this brand is something that should be franchised. Yeah, very, very interesting. So let me ask you this. What do you think? You've, you've talked to a lot of these people. What's the difference between a successful franchise and like a mom and pop shop? What are most of those mom and pop shops missing that's keeping them from, from being at the level of a franchise? Yeah, well, let's. That's a fantastic question. One of the big pieces is the marketing component. Um, most of our brands, I mean, I represent over six hundred brands, and most of them are really technology companies these days that bring a lot of their customers to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have a flooring company. That's all they do. A flooring franchise. That's all they do is install floors. They figured out a niche where their average unit volume is is over $750,000 on a $68,000 home-based franchise. They said, forget about the showroom. Let other people screw that up because we're not dealing with that. <laughs> and they just do flooring install and they, uh-huh. they deal with the marketing, the SEO. They bring customers, clients to that franchisee, you know, local search engine optimization, um, College Hunks hauling junk and moving. A lot of people have heard of that franchise. Right. College Hunks, about 80% of the business is comes through their call center because people still use a call center. They see a mm-hmm. phone number on a on a you know on the internet, they'll just pick up the phone and you know, hey Derek, yeah. tell me about moving. What does it cost to move from here to here? They want that instant sort of gratification. So between the website and the call center, College Hunks franchisees get 80% of their business typically as well from uh, those sources. So, you know, technology is a huge piece of franchising. You know, if you were going to be, you know, an electrician and you wanted to do it on your own because you worked for your uncle that was an electrician, again, go back to my rule, rule number one I already mentioned earlier. If you have a burning desire to do something, then do it. But it's it's hard to compete with franchises on the technology side these days. This isn't the days of the yellow pages where somebody opened a big fat book that every household in America had and, and looked for the biggest ad under the section that said electrician. Sure. Nowadays, well, we're letting our fingers do the walking or right to our keyboard, whether it's the phone or the or the computer and Googling. And if you don't have the money to compete with the big boys, so to speak, or the big gals, you're not going to get found these days. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I had this conversation prior to uh, being on here. I do research and development credits, and we've discovered there's so many of those for franchisees because they are all technology companies. I was talking to a guy who who owns a bunch of uh, Crumble Cookie locations. Love Crumble. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, listen, man, just so you know, this is a technology company that happens to sell cookies because they have everything like technology to the eyeballs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Without without getting into all the details, I was like kind of blown away how much stuff 
goes into all that technology. And I have been consistently over and over with the franchises and it has become really clear to me that these people create masterful systems. They automate, they streamline, they innovate to the point where it is, it would be really tough to compete on anything other than you've got this really personalized, specific, unique thing of the mom and pop. Right. But when you're talking about consistency and, and efficiency, it's pretty tough to beat. Absolutely. I have a real estate franchise in my head right now. They in their in the printed information it says they have a $35,000 franchise fee, which is really uh, their cost to train you and support you and you know mm-hmm. mentor you through this entire process. And you know ramp up is so important when you get involved in any business. But in sure. a franchise it's it's especially important. Everybody wants you off to the fastest start possible. And this particular real estate franchise, they'll tell you that the average franchisee gets their franchise fee back of 35,000 within 120 days. That's pretty strong, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's pretty incredible, but uh, you know, it's all about support. It's all about the system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, there's always, you have a coach, you have people to help you at all times. And not to mention, you have the best practices of, you know, some of the top franchisees in any of these organizations that have already made it. You know, they were new at one point and now you're the newbie. And, you know, look, it's like a fraternity or sorority. Everybody wants to support each other and do well. I've definitely seen that within the industry that, uh, all the people who own a particular franchise, like they're friends with all the other people and they're all helping each other out. And, you know, they're trading accountants and, and, you know, financial people and tax people and all that other stuff to try and help each other. So it's pretty, pretty interesting. It's cool. It seems like it would be quite a brotherhood. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so tell me real quick, what was the transition for you? Because obviously it sounds like running franchises could be tremendously lucrative and, a lot of fun. So, so why'd you make the transition from that kind of business to this one? Yeah. You know, I, I, I made some really unique mistakes. And when I say <laughs> that is, you know, most people have a hard, hard time running a business. Maybe they're not disciplined enough. Maybe they're afraid to work too hard or they just don't work too hard. Um, I know plenty of people like that. <laughs> so for me, I had a unique issue. Um, I was never very patient. You know the old tortoise and the hare story. Mm-hmm. I was always the 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 hare. I I always wanted to do things fast. You know, remember, I'm a former New Yorker. <laughs> so instead of you know, every time I got involved in something, it needed to be big, as fast as it could be. And the reality is, I was a good operator, and I was, and I am a good operator. I'm a good restaurant operator. I'm a good franchisee. And I'll follow a system and I will be a top franchisee. And I was a top franchisee in any brand I was part of. The problem is, the for me, the restaurant business is very capital intense. I did not have all my own capital. So what I didn't do correctly is I took on partners and I took on the wrong partners. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of fighting on a regular basis. And I never forget, I had an attorney that said to me, well, you have a lot of money now because the business is doing so well. And so the more money you have, the more money there is to fight over at this point. Because I had a previous attorney that set all this up that was already gone and didn't work out because the operating agreement wasn't exactly right. So needless to say, Derek, you asked 
a great question. And the answer is, I screwed up not only my first marriage, but I screwed up some business partnerships by inviting the wrong people in. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was getting out prematurely. Um, I didn't want to necessarily sell, but it was the obvious thing to do. It's kind of like people that are in a divorce. How many years do you fight it out and spend all kinds of money? Or do you, you know, do you just bail out and make what you can and, uh, you know, move on? So for me, uh, it was kind of a unique problem. I built a lot of wing stops that were quite successful. I built, you know, Krispy Kremes. I was in a partnership and managing partner there for um, a group. And, uh, you know, I even created my own donut shop brand called Pink Box. And, you know, I realized that I'm, I'm better off as the um, leader in doing it on my own. And I said, you know what? I'm going to wait a little longer before I do my next venture, because although I've done well, and I'm known for creating and, and, and doing good in the franchise community, um, I, I, need a, I need to wait a little bit longer. Um, and, you know, resources, anytime somebody's setting up a business, it goes back to the question you asked earlier, people need resources. And I'm a, I'm a great resource because I've learned so much. Um, not only about how to do it right, but also how to do it wrong, especially on the partnership side. And, uh, and I could help people with all of that. Um, and in fact, um, I have uh, an attorney that I'm creating an agreement for on the operations side, which is funny. I'm creating an agreement for an attorney. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah. I, was I like... might play an attorney on TV, but I'm not a real one in, li- in real life. And uh, because the operations piece is incredibly important. And I've made I've made the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any famous entrepreneur uh, that's a household name will tell you, you know, you're going to make mistakes, and it's better off. You're better off making all the mistakes as soon as you possibly can. Yeah. And uh, you know, look, I've done I've, I've done private placements. I've done a lot of different things to raise money, um, and it's uh, it's not easy for some people. Money is the easy part, and then they can't figure out how to run things. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Running things is the easy part for me. Good, good to hear. So, so let me ask you this, Lance. You've seen a lot of people, uh, seen a lot of mistakes, I'm sure, and a lot of people who've been very successful. What's the difference between someone who's successful with a franchise versus someone who struggles with it? Because we know the systems are the same. We know the yeah. advice they're getting is the same. But there's always some people who do better than others. What's What do you see as the difference? The million-dollar question. Um, the, the difference, boy, let, let me answer it this way first, because I think this is really important. Mm-hmm. Franchise, the fan, franchise process is a pretty deep process. It is a lot like dating. You know, the, the first date with a brand, when I connect you with a brand, I send you information, you like it. I connect you with a brand and, you, and you know, like Derek, you'll, you'll call me or text me and say, Lance, I really want to be introduced to Great Clips Hair Salons. That sounds mm-hmm. perfect for me. I make the introduction. The first call is like that coffee date. And then yeah. eventually, as you proceed in the process, you know, you're you're meeting the corporate executives. It could be like meet the parents, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then eventually you go through some form of validation where you're actually talking to existing franchisees. So you know, when you are talking to existing franchisees of a brand, like I had a finance guy, a private equity guy recently, who really liked a brand that I knew he'd be really good at, but he really didn't want to operate it himself. 
He wanted mm-hmm. to bring in a partner. He had other aspirations, but right. he knew this franchise can make really good money. So what he ended up doing was he, when he was doing validation, he kept asking the question of franchisees and the owner of the brand. Are there other private equity guys or finance guys that are involved in this brand? Well, the answer is no, not really. You know, <laughs> because this was kind of one of those grueling, it was like a commercial cleaning type business, incredible model, proved that a lot, they show a lot of income and a lot of potential, but he didn't want to do the work himself. Well, I knew he wasn't going to do the work himself. So what I'm getting at, Derek, oftentimes, you know, uh, a franchisee sees some of these warning signs in advance through the validation process. It's not that it's a bad brand, but it's the wrong brand for them. Right. Not the right fit. Not the right fit. And and the brand might have missed it. Hey, Derek's a great guy, but Derek isn't the right guy for great clips. He told us he would be involved. And then all of a sudden, the next shiny object, Squirrel, you know, popped up and Derek was off to something else. So, you know, to your point, every great franchise brand like McDonald's, as an example, one of the oldest, most visible franchise brands ever, you know, there's the top 15% of high performing franchisees of McDonald's. But like in every brand, there's a bottom 15%. Sure. And that bottom 15% isn't following the system, isn't as involved as they should be. Or maybe they put someone in charge, their son, their daughter, uh, a non-relative in charge and, and kind of left it alone. There's a lot of work in the beginning, like in any business. But when you do it right, it's incredible. I have plenty of proven brands that you can make a lot of money. And for a lot of people, it's only about the money. They've already worked and had a miserable life at a corporate (laughs) job that they hated. Now they just want to make money for themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what your goal is. Yeah, it sounds to me like what you're saying is you need to be honest with yourself about what you want and what to put in and what you want to get out and and find the right fit that that works for that model. Some people do want to be in food service and around restaurants and taking care of people and other people yes. it's just like a cash register. But I find and I don't know if it's as prevalent with franchises, but my belief has always been you need to do something that's meaningful to you because there is going to come a point whether it's early on, which a lot of businesses it is, or somewhere else along the line where it doesn't make financial sense for a period of time. And if you're just right. in it for the money, you'll eject at that point, right? Right. Well, and, and that's very true. It is interesting though. When I go through the first phone call with prospects, it's interesting because what I want to do is take the emotion out of it. So mm-hmm. we kind of distill down what it is that Derek didn't like or doesn't like about what he currently does. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, that's very, very important. What is his motivation to join, to, to find a business right now? And then it gets, then we get into kind of brass tacks. What is the maximum investment level and how are we doing that? Is that you want an SBA loan? Want to do a rollover business startup loan out of your 401k? It's a lot of amazing ways to finance, but you know, is Figure that that part out, and and what's the maximum? Two two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand. I got plenty of brands under a hundred thousand. And then, are you going to operate it full time or not? 
Do you have mm-hmm. to keep your day job for a period of time? Because that's important. Um, what, what about lifestyle? Are you looking to never work nights or weekends? That's okay. I just need to know. Sure. And then I put that into my magic, you know, ball of uh, tricks, if you will, and cook that stew up, if you will, and it'll produce some results. Could be 15, 20, 30, 50 options or 100 options for you that I determine are best for you. Now, I'll tell you a funny story. I had a buddy of mine that that before I met him, it's, it's kind of a family that owns a bunch of franchise hair salons that are quite successful. So he was like a banker type. And I met him after he was already successful. Now he's got 20 of these franchise hair salons. But when a franchise consultant like me, after the first discussion presented the idea to him, here's what you should do. This franchise hair salon, it checks all the boxes. Right. He heard it and almost fell out of his chair laughing. And then I'm sure he was mad because he's like, this is stupid. Right. But here's the reality of what we do. It did check all his boxes. And when the initial shock wore off, he thought to himself, holy cow, it checks all my boxes. Now, yeah, yeah in his case, he's bald and doesn't even <laughs> can't even be a customer, number one. Number two, he doesn't know how to cut hair. And that's one, one hang up for a lot of people. They right. don't know that industry. Well, guess what? Shocking, you don't need to know the industry. That's why franchising exists. The franchisor is the expert in the industry. And he never even learned how to cut hair. But as a business person, he learned the business of the business. He understood the metrics. And and after buying one with an SBA loan, now and 25% down payment, he now has 20 and he nets about a million and a half dollars a year. So that business alone is worth about $6 million plus. Sounds like a good retirement plan to me. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, hair's not going to stop getting uh, or growing anytime soon, even in nope, a pandemic. Not gonna, Amazon's not going to take over that business anytime soon. No, no. Well, very cool. So one last question for you here, Lance. Um, what's what's the future for you? Where, where are you kind of headed with this business? What are you hoping to, to do and create impact in the world? Just tell me like the big picture of uh, yeah. where Lance and Ion Franchising is going. Well, I have to have my hands in a lot of things. So I have affiliates all over the country that I work with. Um, I no longer have to pay for lead generation. I have plenty of people coming to me and my team on a regular basis. Uh, I can make a lot of money every year, and I do, doing exactly what I do. Um, and I'm going to continue that. Uh, by the same token, I am not a maintainer. I'm a builder. And I love creating. So I'm going to continue to create brands. I'm working I'm in the process of doing new things as we speak, but I on franchising and supporting those in their quest to be franchise owners and business owners in general, I'll continue to do that forever. So I had this, this funny thought. I'm like, he's going to make a franchise on how to help connect people to the right franchise. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Sorry>. it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw right through it. Uh, you got it well well uh, lance i i really appreciate you being here i wish we had uh, a ton more time because this is like a super just being a business nerd this is super fascinating to me all the all the facets of this part one of many yes i love the sound of that 
Uh, but for people who are listening, they want to know more. They think they're interested in a franchise. Maybe they have a great business and they're looking to look at, would this be a good possible franchise? How do they reach you again? Well, the easiest thing is just go to my website, ionfranchising.com. That's ionfranchising.com. There is a free assessment for anybody looking uh, for franchise opportunities. There's a free assessment that will determine your compatibility, mindset, skill set. Take you about 10 or 15 minutes. It's right on my website. Or simply reach out on the website and uh, schedule a call. Talk about taking your business to the next level by establishing a franchise system. Very cool. So the last thing I like to always ask people, and this might catch you off guard, but I like to give people 30, 60, 90 seconds to say anything that you want to say related to what we're talking about or not. But uh, just wondering if you could say anything to the listeners, what would that be? I always want to tell them that it's very important to be clear with what you want out of life. Life is way too short. So one of my favorite sayings is clarity is currency. And I can help as a resource to you, get you really clear as to what you can be doing with your life. It's okay to be a W-2 employee. It's okay to work for somebody if you can be happy doing that. However, I'm finding more and more over the years that there are plenty of people that are not happy and feel stuck doing whatever it is they're doing. By talking to a franchise consultant or what I call myself a franchise strategist, I can certainly help you find your dream business. So reach out because I am a free resource to you. Fantastic. Well, Lance, I I appreciate the wisdom and the insight of being on the other side of the curtain and uh, just really appreciate you taking some time with us on the show today. Derek, thank you so much. It's been a long time. I've been waiting to get on your show because we became old friends a while back. So happy to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Venice, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist. <laughs>